Entrepreneurship is not for the faint of heart. You're the first one in, last one out, and you do whatever it takes to succeed. Nonetheless, 25 million Americans have chosen the entrepreneurial life because it's equal parts demanding and fulfilling. Welcome to the People First, Then Profit podcast. Join hospitality veteran, photographer, and entrepreneur Don Mamoni each week as he hosts a candid, no-holds-barred conversation with successful business owners and entrepreneurs eager to share their professional secrets with you. Like his crazy Italian family does on Sunday nights, he's serving up a healthy portion of inspiration, motivation, and education, so I hope you're hungry. Now, here's your host, Don Mamoni. Hey everybody, welcome back to the People First Then Profit podcast. This week I am joined by an amazing business owner, a DJ as I have known him over the years, but so much bigger than that. His name is Alex Nepa. Alex, how are you today, buddy? Doing great. How about yourself? I'm exceptional. I've been looking forward to this ever since we had the opportunity to decide that you were going to be a guest on here. And you and I go way back. In fact, um, probably the better part of a decade we go back. Uh, I think it was 2010-ish. So uh, maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit over a, a decade, which just makes me feel old. But it's been, a, <laughs> it's been a great pleasure to know you. And I introduced you as a DJ, but so much more. I want to make sure the audience knows just exactly the depth and breadth of your knowledge and experience. So I'm going to read your bio if that's all right. Absolutely. All right, here we go. With over 20 years of nightlife, corporate wedding, and social event experience, Alex Nepa uses his fine-tuned mixing style, tastefully blending songs across every genre, creatively taking dance floors on a journey that has proven to please audiences of all ages. Regularly called upon to play top clubs in Philadelphia, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Minneapolis, Omaha, New York, and beyond, Alex Nepa's club presence has led him to rocking crowds at hundreds of private functions and corporate events for companies like AccuWeather, Nike, American Eagle Outfitters, Red Bull, and Oakley, just to name a few. As the founder of Mint DJ Events, Alex continues to hold down a private event schedule that caters to events such as weddings, corporate, fashion, and nightlife, including his 15 plus years as resident DJ and entertainment director at venues throughout Penn State and downtown State College, Pennsylvania. Alex, Ooh. man, the the thing that sticks out to me there is you are so cool and you do such a good job at what you do and you've been doing it for over 20 years. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. I can almost very, very vaguely remember my very first event ever nervously setting up and getting ready. So it's been a ride. Man, I'll tell you, 20 years is a long time to do anything in life. Uh, we know that most people transition. And and I do know that you transitioned early. So knowing you as I do, I know that you didn't literally uh, come out of college and like go straight to DJing. So tell us about yeah. that a little bit. Yeah, so I graduated from Penn State in 2001. I'm going to show my age right away <laughs> here. Um, graduated from, uh, from Penn State in computer science. Went right into a computer programming job. I lasted about a year and a half and I hated every second of it. Oh my gosh. It was just the desk job was not for me. And oftentimes I found myself in situations where um, it's a task-based job. It's a task-based industry, mm -hmm. computer programming. And I was at the time transitioning a construction trade publication to a print version and into an online subscription version. So I was leading okay. that project. And oftentimes I would fish and finish things ahead of time and just be finding myself at my desk bored and oftentimes getting in trouble for not working when I was already completed with the work. So, so you were too efficient for your own good. Yeah. I mean, that's just patting myself on the back. It was, I'll do it for you. 
<laughs> I'll do it for you. And it's interesting because I can't think of you as anything but a DJ, an entertainment director, somebody who's full of life and energy. And the idea of not there's anything wrong with computer science, but I wouldn't necessarily associate your talent base and, and your skill set with that. No, no, no. It was a, even at the time, it was a lot of Googling and copying and pasting and open sourcing. Yeah, just hacking and putting things together. And the thing that is a tenant that we've determined here on the People First and Profit podcast is people tend to move into entrepreneurship, not because they're forced to, not because they have no other recourse, but they're not fulfilled in the job that they're doing, whether it be corporate America or whatever else, they find their way into entrepreneurship. And it sounds like that's what happened for you. Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. You just need to be creating. Yeah. So that's another thing that I know about you is you're a creative and you have to feed that need. So let's talk about the transition. So you went from computer science, right? As a fulfilling career uh, financially and benefits package and all that. And you decided, eh, forget all that because I'm not feeding the need for creativity and you became a DJ. Let's yeah. talk about that transition. Yeah. So, it, I mean, it was basically a natural transition. I, I quit the job, found a very cheap, my lease at my current apartment was up, found a very cheap apartment to live with three other DJs where my uh, rent was $250 chipping in. Wow. So that was much less than where I was. I had some money saved because obviously I was a single guy in my young twenties, just saving up money like crazy. And Hold on now. That's not yeah. something that we typically associate with people in their twenties. So right now you're showing that you are obviously bigger than any one situation. Cause when I think of three, four young guys living in their twenties that are DJs, I don't think about saving up money. So I just want to comp compliment you on that. <laughs> nice work. That did not continue. I, I got myself into quite a bit of debt, but you know, life sure. goes on. Okay. Yeah. All right. So then what happened from there? Just kind of started DJing, going at it. And um, I'm a big believer in starting and getting better as you go. Um, at no point, I, I think at that point, I probably thought I was okay as a DJ, but I wasn't. And But I was getting work, playing at uh, bars and clubs downtown. And obviously that continues to this day, pandemic uh, excluded, of course. Sure. Um, but yeah, just just kind of went at it. And I, you know, I started playing for, you know, a hundred bucks and then got one up from there. And on, on the side, I started doing weddings um, because weddings, um, at first, they, they can be financially lucrative, even when you're at a point where you're only charging $500 a wedding. Sure. Yeah. So and I, I love that depth and breadth of, of, of experience, man. Like the idea that you were doing private events on the weekends and, and club DJing. And I'll tell you, based on what I know of music theory and beat mixing and all that kind of stuff, they're two very uniquely different environments. And, and I think they take different muscles. Uh, I think they're very well related to each other, but man, I got to tell you, I find that people that have that, that round out knowledge, club DJs that do weddings as well, I find play different. They spin differently. Yeah, you need to. I mean, weddings are a very diverse audience where anybody from, you know, kids to grandparents and you have to try to walk that line while still, be, still being exciting, still making the wedding party and the bride and the groom happy. So, yeah, it is a uh, it's a wild ride. And I think it made me I, well, I don't think I know it made me a better club DJ. And I know that being a club DJ made me a better wedding DJ. And I think that uh, when. So I should say that the reason you and I know each other, since you're from central Pennsylvania, and although I was born in Pittsburgh, I don't really spend a lot of time on the East Coast <laughs> since having left, uh, our good friends, uh, Lauren and Corey Eck and Megan and Alex um, yeah. got married. And I had the pleasure of photographing and documenting both of those weddings. And you were their DJ because tell me again, you knew them from the dance scene. Yep. So Megan was in a hip hop dance group at Penn State. And that's how I knew her. And I think... Uh, Megan just hired me because I was Megan's or Lauren Let, hired. Me. 
Yeah. Yeah. Lauren hired you because you were Megan's uh, connection to the DJ scene. Now, yeah. I imagine that there were probably a couple of times when Lauren and Corey might have found their way to a club that you were spinning in as well. Oh, yeah. 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 Many times. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and let's touch on this for a hot second. So one of the things you talked about, so uh, Happy Valley, yep. they oftentimes state colleges often call it Happy Valley. And um, it's a small community. It is a very small, tiny community-based uh, group. And you knew Megan from dance, you knew Lauren as an extension, and then Dave, their father, who I know well. Yep. How did you know him again? Well, he was obviously their father, but he's now my banker. He's uh, signed my loans. He's the president of the bank that my company banks from. So yeah, it's uh, again, a very tightly woven community. And it's funny because as you and I talked, right, the title of this podcast, in case anybody here doesn't know where they're at or what plane they're on, this is the People First and Profit podcast. And so you and I talked about the fact that we live in a global village, but we have to try to remember that it's community, close-knit personal community that really tends to make a difference. And you were able to experience that somewhat intrinsically, but I think really we should all make effort, no matter how big the world is, what, how big the town is we live in, to kind of benefit from that, that small town community idea. Yeah. I mean, if you are looking somebody that's um, starting an entrepreneurship, starting a business, I mean, it all became, it all starts and it all grows with the connections you make. And within your small community, if you make those connections, like Penn State was a connection for me, the Penn State Alumni Network was a connection for me that allowed me to grow than to be somebody that more than just a small town DJ. Mm -hmm. And then those connections led me to playing in spots like New York, corporate gigs, you know, I was actually in addition to knowing you, I didn't get a chance to visit, but I played for another DJ company in Dallas, Texas for a corporate client. So yeah. yes. I, uh, I, I think that, you know, obviously I'm a relationship marketer at the core and I love to just tell people and shout from the mountaintops that this rally cry of making sure that you understand that behind everything that you do, there's people, right. That, that yeah. should and do motivate that. And I agree with you hundred um, percent. I tell people often nowadays that with everything going on, especially since we're doing so much in the virtual space, the fact of the matter is, is we need to try to emulate the three-dimensional world in small town community type style into the online uh, experience. And so often things that have developed into great business and personal opportunities have been because we stopped for a hot second and remember there's a person on the other end of this post, this message, and then they reach out and they say, hey, I'd love to do business with you or hey, I'd love to figure out how I can help you or you can help me, we can collaborate. I love that you're able to immerse yourself in that. And then by extension, yeah, I, I think I think a lot of my success online, and I've had great success with social media and, and making connections and getting work because of that. And it's not because I'm a brilliant social marketer; it's because I know how to, to how to talk to people instead of talking at people, mm. and just being a human. Talk to people, not at people. I love talk, that. Yeah, 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 exactly. Talk to people, and it's it's easy. I'm going to say it, I'm going to give people sort of a permission slip, and then I'm going to remind them of what you just said, right? It's easy to feel like, well, I'm just putting this out into the ether, right? This is just going to everybody. But if you remember that there's actual, again, flesh and blood, real life people, and you talk to them, guys, not at them, that's how things traction. Yeah. And you see businesses all the time with all capital letters, you know, pizza special today, $3.99. And it's just, I mean, that doesn't, doesn't really speak to people. I mean, maybe it does budget clients. But. Maybe and that's not the people I'm looking for. And that's not typically oh, no. the people you're looking for. Right. Oh, not at all. 
This is a perfect transition, I got to say, uh, Alex, because uh, we're going to talk a little bit about creati- creativity and marketing, not creativity in marketing, because obviously I think that's intrinsic to everybody's business, right? You're going to have to figure out how to be creative in your own market, but your creative need and the need to feed it and just your knowledge and understanding of marketing uh, and probably which rules to follow and which rules to break, I think really well positioned you to become a, a hot commodity. I'm using the podcast air quotes. <laughs> so talk about that. Talk a little bit about your need to, to be creative and how yeah. that played itself in your marketing. So obviously in life, there's a need to make money. You need to pay your bills. You need to uh, put a roof over your head, all of those things. But to me, I've, I've never like been a person that has just gone after something because of the dollar. I've done things creatively that have fulfilled me and with the hope that other, they connect to other people and that, you know, potentially leads to money and it has, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's always been a creative need. I've always felt the need, like a, a popular DJ saying or something that I like to say in the DJ community is that I haven't done 500 plus weddings or I, I have done 500 plus weddings. I haven't done one wedding 500 plus times, mm-hmm. meaning like I like to work with clients that have a different vision. There's going to be some similarities there, yeah. but I want everything to be unique. I want everything to uh, yeah, feel different. It's funny that you say it. I, we had a similar way of saying it, especially in, in the social space, right? Because weddings are such emotionally charged events. We've yes. largely now transitioned to lar- uh, corporate and nonprofit events, but we used to tell our bride, like we approach every wedding day, like it's our first. Yes. And the reason that is, is because you have to bring that unique energy, that fire, that need, that want. It's the minute you start looking at something and be like, it's just another wedding where things become formulaic and stale. And and honestly, not only that, because that's so uninspired, but that's when you start making mistakes and you look at it and you're like, it's just another wedding. And then you forget one integral part because you you underplayed it. So um, it's so important to have those, to know those parts. Yeah. A hundred percent. I love the way you said that. I, I've done over 500 weddings, but I've never done a wedding 500 times. It's yes. so, it's so clever. Uh, so one of the other things that I've loved about you and that I identified about you immediately, and I'm going to, I'm going to brag about you for a hot second is when, when I experienced meeting you, I was like, this is just a nice kid. He's so nice. He's so um, low key. He, he comes to this event um, similar in nature to us. And that's that we're a very important part of this wedding. And yet we're still a very small part of a very big machine team player, like all the things with humility and modesty. And yet when you got behind the turntable, you owned that room. You took responsibility for the energy in which you created. And I'll never forget. I do believe it was Megan's wedding, not Lauren's wedding, but we were photographing the dance party and we, we loved that part of it, especially because we're getting to enjoy. We're literally at a party photographing and you mixed Uptown Girl by Billy Joel with Uptown Funk by Bruno Mars. And the transition was seamless. The beat mix was amazing. The, the dance floor was already going off because of like the love of 80s rock. And then to put in, and then this was at the time when that, that song was brand new and hot and everybody loved it. Like they went crazy. And I thought, who mixes Uptown Girl <laughs> to Uptown Funk? And I was just impressed by what you do. But you're not a traditional DJ in the sense that it's a vanity-based industry in a lot of cases. No disrespect to DJs. There's a lot of pomp and circumstance behind it. There's, there's a certain vision of what a DJ is. And I wouldn't say that you're characterized by that. So talk about what it's like to bring your own authenticity to being a DJ. Yeah. So creativity, like, as we mentioned before, it's oftentimes just getting lost in the moment there. Um, I don't think I've done that mix since that day, Yeah. which like, there are definitely some routines that I've developed and that Mm -hmm. I bring to uh, my events, 
but yeah, it's just kind of getting lost in that moment. So you're feeling one song, reading the crowd and, and you're like, oh, Uptown Girl, Uptown, Uptown, Uptown Funk. The beats are a little bit different, but I could pitch my way there and make it creative and loop a, a, the common word, which might have been Uptown. I'm not sure how I did it. I don't know how you did it either, but it was amazing. (laughs) It's just a cool feeling and being able to do that. And I try to do something different every time at the same time without like, you know, flubbing up because I, it's a practice session. Again, you want to be refined, but experience brings that to you. Um, And, and just in terms of being vain, I guess you could say, when you talk about a vanity business, um, weddings in particular, they're very emotionally driven. They're very artistically driven couples and especially brides pay so much attention to how the room looks, what their flowers look like, what their dresses are going to look like, you know, what their centerpieces are going to feel like. So if you've ever seen a DJ at a wedding, oftentimes it's, you know, a little six foot folding table with some, uh, with some stuff plopped onto it. I've always um, tried to not be that DJ, bring a little more style to my setups. Um, and I, I actually think I went first in 2010, I was a folding table DJ when you first saw me and I probably still rock the party, but you then, did rock the party. And I don't remember, those are the kind of things I pay attention to. Um, and, and I would say that you presented yourself exceptionally professionally. So whatever it was that you was your setup, I never once looked at it and thought, Ooh, he should up his game. So, <laughs> so I'm sure you were crushing it back then. And I will say that of the DJs that I know, and I align myself with most, they're all of your same mind. It's not just about the music. Right. It's about the music and the presence and all those things. Uh, but I've got two compliments to pay you back, you and oh, Emily back. Goodness. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. Let me let me do this here real All right fast. then. So very rarely in central Pennsylvania, when I'm doing local weddings, do photographers stick around to the end of the night. Now it might have been the case because you guys were traveling, but number one, you guys stuck around to the end of the night, you took pictures of the dance party. And then on top of that, you reached out to me afterward and said, Hey, here's some cool pictures. I'd love for you to use them. One of which I still use in my marketing. So thank you. <laughs> you yeah, probably, made, probably made me a couple dollars. Yeah. Um, I hope so. Another thing too, is that first day feeling where like everything is so important at a wedding and you are, have been paid heavily and be, are being relied upon heavily. Um, we all, we oftentimes put our, our health and safety in the, uh, harm's way. I remember Emily had a pretty nasty cut at, um, was it, it was Megan's wedding, right? Actually, fortunately, she didn't get cut. Somebody else got cut on the dance floor. They fell and right. dropped a champagne bottle or a champagne glass. And um, she went to help them. And then they popped up like, oh, I'm okay. And so she got uh, sort of shrapneled uh, with yeah. some stuff. And so she had to go clean up. And uh, But the cool thing about it was everybody kind of rallied around it. They cleaned it up. But yeah, we I mean, we're in it to win it. Like we show up early, Same. we stay late. And I love Megan's wedding. And this might not be something you know, because it happened before the party, but uh, they got married uh, in uh, DC, right? Uh, at the Gaylord and National there. And there was this beautiful pier and it went out onto the water. And we had plans for her to get her dress on at the venue, not the hotel, and do photos afterwards, right? After, as soon as she put her dress on, we were gonna do some portraits. As I watched the timeline, it was cloudy and the sun was setting behind a bank of clouds early. And I said, hey, Megan, I see something happening and I really wanna go capture it. It requires that you finish up what you're doing here, put your dress on and we gotta go. She's like, sounds great, let's do that. And those were the moments when you realize that someone hires you for your talent and experience. They trust in you implicitly. We got out to the end of this dock and she had this beautiful fur wrap because it was chilly out. And just as the sun hit those clouds, the fire in the sky just lit up. And we did these portraits with an introduced flash and it was just wonderful. And then we moved over to the party. That's where I think I saw you again for the first time when we started chatting. But it was that moment of, 
I'm just going to tell this bride, please put your dress on. Let's go. We see yeah. something happening. And she went. So um, thank you for the kind words, man. I appreciate it. And I'm glad. I hope if you're listening to the sound of my voice right now and you don't do the things for your preferred partners that you could be doing to make their lives easier and better, that's our job. Rising tide. Networking. Yeah, that's, that's 101. And yeah, thank you so much for that. You bet. All right. So let's talk. Uh, we haven't even gotten to sort of the real reason you and I reconnected was I saw a post. I, I watch all your stuff because I do think you're so creative and your marketing is so on point. And you had announced that you were starting a podcast. You're going to yes. go from being a successful business owner, entrepreneur, DJ, and now podcast host. And so the title of the podcast is Sips and Ish, which I love. I think it's brilliant, <laughs> of course. Thanks. And when we started talking, I was like, hey, why'd you start a podcast? I was kind of floored by the answer and I love <laughs> it. And so let's talk about it. So you're going to be a podcast host. Why? Yeah. Um, I've always wanted to host a podcast. Um, so that's that's number one. Okay. And when you are busy and distracted, you put things off. Um, and if you're anything like me, sometimes you tend to overthink things. Mm -hmm. So it basically came down to a group of professionals where I was challenged. Hey, just start the thing. So I said, okay, I'm going to give myself a week to think about my angle. Yep. I came up with the angle of cocktails and real talk, which okay. is talking to business professionals, business leaders, people who have had struggles and successes. And so the, I mean, the real reason I started is just because I'm not an active DJ. I'm like, I live in Pennsylvania. We are still pretty locked down. We had a very, very, very reduced wedding season here and I just needed to do something. So I learned how to bartend over, um, you know, our COVID, COVID uh, vacation, forced COVID vacation. Yeah. Um, I, I've always been a straight whiskey drinker, a straight tequila drinker, just a sipper, but the girlfriend likes cocktails. So we've, uh, Kind of, I'm like, okay, I want to do something cool. I like, you know, she'll dig it. Um, I'll learn something, which I'm always willing to learn. Yeah. And I got kind of good at it, or so I've been told. It might have just been uh, inflating my <laughs> ego. But I'm like, what if I create a podcast where I sit down, I talk to business leaders like your podcast. Yep. Um, and and but we have a dude over a drink and and a little a little more informal, and the conversations have actually tended to be pretty long. Um, but they're good. And I'm, I'm starting to gather my direction now. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I started, yeah. it speaks to your get, just start and get 1% better every day. That's the way you phrased it the first time we chatted. And I know you yeah. touched on that earlier, but I just, I want people to hear it that way. Just start and get 1% better every day. I mean, that's so important, especially when you look back in life, you don't want regrets. Yeah. But also at the same time, that human psyche is like, it fears failure. Mm -hmm. So so many people just don't start something and regret not doing it versus, you know, the person who might start and not be amazing at it, but yeah. gets better and gets to that level. I got to tell you, um, we typically regret the things we don't do, not yeah. the things that we do and don't do exceptionally well, right? It's the things that we skip. And I hate hearing, and I'm, I'm guilty of it. I'm sure you have been at, at times too, uh, in our weaker moments when your doubt overcomes your determination and, and it doesn't allow you to achieve, it's painful. It's, it's yeah. not, it's not the way it should be. And I just love that you did it because you just wanted to, right? There was no ulterior motive. No, how am I going to monetize it? That that's the part that I kind of was floored by. And, <laughs> and it reminded me of Peter Pan and the lost boys, little kids who are like, Hey, why are you doing that? Cause it's fun because I want to, because it makes me dizzy. Right. Like that you would literally were like, I just wanted to do it. Yep. And I love yeah. that. 
and then again, there's probably the opposite of monetization because I've probably spent a couple thousand dollars on audio recording equipment, but you know. Well, you're a DJ, right? You could probably have done it for 200 <laughs> bucks, but you don't do anything halfway. And that's good, right? So there's something to be said for the fact that you stayed in your zone of genius and you know, like, hey, I can do the audio part of it. And then you're just going to get better at the other stuff, right? And yep. uh, for those of you that are listening to the podcast as opposed to me record it live, he's got a set that he's created in his basement. He's got a soundstage. It's beautifully lit. Like it's easy to talk to you, Alex. And, and it's, it's, uh, I'm excited to not only be on the show, I hope I'm going to submit my application, fingers crossed, is be a, be a part of it in that way. But to, to stand adjacent to, to Alex Nepa is, is a way in which we can all feed our souls. I'm not going to lie. Like, I feel like you're not only um, crushing it as a business owner and entrepreneur, and you've taken your sabbatical. People are like, so what's going on? I'm like, I'm not unemployed. I'm on a sabbatical, right? That's a good answer. Yeah. We're, we're benched at the moment until live events kick back up again. Um, But what a great way to take that time. And I I started this about a year ago uh, when I started trying to help business owners and entrepreneurs, I would say, what are you going to do with the time you've been gifted? Yes. Because we can no longer say, I don't have time for that. So yep. what, what are you going to do? And look what you did. You, you started I, I never, a podcast. I never, never, ever liked, I don't have time for that. The better answer is that's just not a priority to me at this time. Yep. I don't make time for that. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, is, and again, that's it, fine. If that's your personal choice and something totally. isn't a priority to you, that's cool. But yeah, don't use that saying. Yeah. It's not around, not around well, we, and we always heard it around similar things. Like I don't have time to read. I don't have time to go to the gym. Well, yep. you had time to be on Facebook for two hours today. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. So, uh, number one time suck. The, yeah. I'll tell you, uh, once you become a creator of content and, and you'll find this as a podcast host and, and as a business owner and entrepreneur, I know you already, uh, kind of walk this walk, but yep. when you're creating and you're dedicated to those things, it's a lot harder to consume. And so I think, uh, as a, as a doer of many things, we tend to be more strategic about that consumption. Um, yeah, you definitely need to be more, um, what is the word, more, uh, you have to, time management is super important, but you have to be more, um, I'm losing the word, but yeah. Selective. Selective. Um, yeah, curate yeah. what yeah. the things that we're going to consume, because I agree with yes. you, time management is huge, right? Um, Myron Golden, brilliant man. More, more intentional leader. with your time. I'm sorry. I just, uh, that came In, to me. More intentional with your time. Yes, I love yes. it. Um, Myron Golden. No, it's fine. He's a thought leader and he says time is infinitely more valuable than money because we can always make more money, right? Yes. So, yes. Um, all right. So uh, last question for you today is if you had one piece of advice that you'd want to give to the audience of this podcast that are largely business owners, entrepreneurs, career-driven professionals, what would you tell them to impact their business and their life today? One piece of advice. Wow. That is a great question. Um, I think I'm just going to go back to the start. Okay. Start and get 1% better. That's it. Do that Do that one thing that you've been putting off. Okay. If it's in the back of your head and yep. just get it done. Start, start. Even if you suck, yep. start. Yeah. Start and just get 1% better every day. Uh, some, some other folks that I work with in the business world are like, just start messy. Start messy and we're worried about yeah. cleaning it up. So you guys all have such great ways to embody this concept and to uh, to and pull it together. Six, if you have five or six more hours, I could probably give you uh, three or 400 other piece of it, pieces of advice. But hey, yeah, listen, that, man. That's the one. That's the one. That's yeah. the one that people can do today is start now and get 1% better every day. And I'm just going to tell you that a verbal contract is binding in the state of Texas. You just offered to come back on the show again. So yeah, once Simpson-ish gets off the ground and things open back up and you're crushing it again. I will uh, fly to Texas on my own dime and, and, and visit, yeah. Oh, we're doing, we'll do an in-person podcast recording. Yeah, man. That'll yeah. be amazing. All right. So uh, 
Your call to action, folks, if you're listening today is please do me the favor of checking out the Sips and Ish podcast on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Alex, I got a couple of last questions. I end every podcast episode with a fun little lightning round. I'm going to ask you a few questions that just top of your head, super fun. Uh, What's your favorite craft cocktail now? Manhattan. Always. Yes. You're old school, man. Yeah. Yeah. You're vintage. I have different ways to do them, but Manhattan. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, what, uh, if you were stuck on a desert island, what's the only artist you would bring with you? What's the one CD or, or? Diddy. Diddy? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is it, is it for the beats? Is it, or is yeah. it for the, yeah. yeah. And his flow. Yeah. I, old, like 2000, 2001, 99 Diddy. Yeah. That's... Do you have uh, an event that stands out that you're like, this was a transformative event or this was like my most fun event? Um, transformative. I opened for Tiesto in front of about 15,000 people. Pretty, pretty legit. Pretty, pretty good high there. Yeah. yeah. Natural high. Yeah. Where was it? It was at the Bryce Jordan center here in state college, Pennsylvania. Again, a gift of networking. I'm telling you. So the tenant from today is feed your creative need, do things just because, and if you start right, start messy and get 1% better every day. And the power of relationship marketing and people first and profit, man. I, I'm, I'll send you a check for all the marketing stuff that you <laughs> together yeah. for the concepts. Listen, man, uh, you, my friend, are uh, you're an inspiration. It's always been a pleasure to know you. I think that you are exceptional at what you do. Uh, I will be tuning in to the Sips Inish podcast, and I'm certain that uh, a lot of my listeners will as well. Any final words for today? No, thank you guys so much for having me. It's It's been an honor. Good to connect with you as always. It's been great, man. I really appreciate you. All right, guys, we're going to wrap it up for this week. Answer any questions for you. You know where to find me. I'm all over social media. You can send me a DM. Uh, I'm opening back up the Build a Better Business Coaching Program. If you guys need help on accountability, uh, reaching that next level, if you've plateaued, if you're stuck, if you're looking forward to going from surviving to thriving, send me that message and we'll get you the form to fill out your application to be in the Better Business Coaching Program. Uh, Alex Nepa. with that, we're going to have Adam Wilmore take us out of here. Have a great day, man. You too. Thanks for listening to the People First and Profit podcast. If you like this episode, and I'm pretty sure you did, subscribe, review, and share it with your friends, fans, and followers wherever you get your podcasts. Check out the show notes for additional information about this week's guest, as well as a list of all the links and resources we discussed. Be sure to visit peoplefirstinprofit.com for a ton of great content, free resources, and links to the People First and Profit community. All right, I'm Adam Wilmore, and on behalf of your host, Don Mamoni, we'll see you next week. Thank you.